Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Wasn't that fun last night? I know Indiana lost, but a great 112-110 double overtime game, part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And I heard multiple people say this, even though it was a loss, uh, it was good basketball. And you see major improvements, at least I thought, from this Indiana team uh, going in a three and three Syracuse team. We talked about them not being maybe the top tier competition that we thought of or expected, the normal two three zone Cuse team, but they were good and they were playing at home and they shot the ball really well last night. But still, lots of takeaways in a very positive manner uh, for IU basketball last night for them just to battle back. Uh, a couple of those situations were just not what we're all used to seeing, I think, when it comes to IU basketball and to see how Mike Woodson reacts in some of those late-game overtime situations was very interesting as well. I locked it up, put it away last night as a real positive uh, outcome. Yes, it was a loss, but IU was right there. Uh, and again, so many different things to take away from really what just was a crazy game. It started off kind of as a blowout. I mean, Indiana got down 10 early, then made a comeback, and then got down even more than that, made a, a big comeback in the second half. Uh, but so many different players stepped up for Indiana. It wasn't just Trace Jackson Davis last night. And I got to watch the second half or the latter part of the second half live and went back and watched a great portion of the first half at the conclusion of the game. Had a lot of stuff going on last night. Uh, and I thought Race Thompson really looked good, especially down the stretch for Indiana uh, I saw John Rothstein, who covers uh, the national landscape of college basketball, uh, brag on race last night as well. Said he kind of reminds me maybe of Indiana's glue guy, and I like that description for him. But so many takeaways. Miller Cop was really good last night. Uh, Parker Stewart shot it uh, well. And uh, just, a, I think, a very, I guess, intriguing uh, finish to the game or, or, or way that Indiana finished the game, even despite the loss. And we'll obviously uh, break down everything today. We'll take your questions and comments on the Thornton's text line coming up here in just a bit as well. I think we already have some thoughts on the game last night there as well. But let's get into the show today with the show lineup as we always start, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got our headlines of the day. We'll take a look at some happenings with IU Hoops, of course, last night from the game. And uh, then we'll take a look at a couple high school basketball notes from Southern Indiana as well as we start this program here on Wednesday. Then later in the hour, it's Wednesday, so Dustin Dopirak, he's with the Bloomington Herald Times, is my guest. We'll uh, break down the IU game last night. We'll talk about uh, so many different things, storylines coming out of that game to discuss 
and again, you can send in your thoughts and questions, and we'll get them on the air for Dustin. I know a lot of you really amped up. I heard from some of you last night after the game. Uh, would love to get your comments today, and I'll give you some instructions on that here in just a moment. Also, later in the show, it's Wednesday, so that means Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will join. We had some Tuesday night high school basketball action last night. Brandon Northern had a huge night for Silver Creek as they defeated Charlestown uh, in a very uh, handed fashion. They were they were the big winners there last night. There's no question about that. And uh, lots of other things to discuss with local sports. We've got a lot of local products playing well in college, and we'll discuss all of that and more with Josh later in the program today. And our segment with Josh each week is brought to you by Major League Shirt Company in Sellersburg. All right, that's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are still being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's get into our headlines, and as we do that, Our daily reminder that the Thornton's text line is open. The number to text in is 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. You can send in questions for our guests. You can send in general comments on IU basketball, the performance last night, what you liked, what you didn't like, what you're hopeful for now this season after watching the Hoosiers uh, play for the first time on the road and take their first loss of the season, uh, 502-414-1450 is that number. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts as well. Okay, let's get into our headlines for today. Uh, just really, let's kind of go through the game last night. I'm sure that most of you listening uh, took in every second of that game, but uh, leading the way for Indiana last night in the scoring column, no surprise, is Trace Jackson Davis with 31 points. He was 11 of 17 from the field, 9 of 14 from the free throw line. Get ready for this. He had 10 defensive rebounds, 16 total rebounds in the game, committed just two fouls. He did have six turnovers, but, I mean, who can complain with the stat line uh, that he's put together? Three block shots and I think one steal as well for Trace Jackson Davis in 45 minutes played for the Hoosiers last night. He is off and running uh, with an unbelievable season. We are seeing Trace Jackson Davis from last year, uh, plus some. He's improved, and as we discuss heading into the season, one of the big things I think that IU and Mike Woodson uh, will be using as a recruiting tactic is showing film, uh, and because film is so big in the recruiting process, whether it's individual players for comparisons or whether it's uh, offenses and defenses to show where a recruiting prospect could fit in at. But I think film will be shown of Trace Jackson Davis last year, even though he had a a good year for IU, a very good year for IU under Archie Miller. Uh, And compared, if this continues, what he's on pace to do this season is just unbelievable. And uh, some of the additional things he's added to his game will bode very well, I think, for IU and for recruiting in the future. But Trace Jackson Davis uh, continued his tear Uh, with 31 points and 16 rebounds last night. Also, Miller Kopp just exploded. He was really big for IU, 28 points, 9 of 16 shooting, uh, 4 of 9 from the three-point arc. He was 6 of 7 from the free throw line. Uh, Very good performance from him. Also, Race Thompson, I mentioned him at the start of the show. I thought he was, uh, was very solid. He had 17 points. Also pulled down 12 rebounds, so a double, um, a double, double for him. And how about this? I do, I'm just noticing this as I look at at this box score right now. Eight assists last night 
uh, for Race Thompson as well. And Parker Stewart, we can't leave him out. He was 6 of 12 from the field. Uh, all 12 of his shots from the field were three-point attempts, and he hit six of them, so 50%, pretty uh, doggone good from three-point land, and also hit two of three free throws. So IU shooting much better last night. The team was 40.7% from the three-point line, but specifically good for Stewart and for Miller Cop, obviously, as well. And overall from the field, 55%, 55.1% for the Hoosiers last night uh, at Syracuse. So just some things that I thought really stood out. And then uh, there's some non-scoring things that come to mind as well. I thought Christian Lander uh, was really inserted in some big spots last night for IU. And I think generally the kind of the feeling I get as we go through some of the other storylines for the game here in just a moment is that IU fans are pleased for the most part, despite the loss, because Indiana competed uh, when things were tough and where in the past we've seen this program uh, kind of fold. They may play somebody that they shouldn't play with or on the road really, really close, and when the tough gets going, Indiana didn't get going. They kind of faded away, and that wasn't the case last night. They uh, made multiple comebacks, uh, big comebacks, short bursts of comebacks late in the game and in the overtime period even. Uh, of course, just as a fan, if you're watching the ACC Big Ten Challenge games, and I love to take in as many of them as I can, there have been some fantastic games as far as uh, thrillers and uh, overtimes and last-second shots. How about the Ohio State win over Duke last night? We're going to take a look at the the full challenge, the ACC Big Ten matchups here in a moment. But uh, really thrilling games we've had these last few days, and probably uh, right there up with the Ohio State-Duke game would be that finish to the, uh, to the IU-Syracuse game last night. A couple other things to take away. I think if you look at something really big – is that other players stepped up. It wasn't just uh, Trace Jackson Davis leading the way out of an 18-point deficit at one point. Uh, there were a number of players in double figures. In fact, there were, uh, what, four players in double figures last night, Jackson Davis, Miller Kopp, uh, Parker Stewart, Race Thompson, as we've already highlighted, and uh, some other key co- contributions at different points from the bench in the game as well. Indiana also uh, pretty decent on free throws last night. Let's take a look. They were 23 of 31 for 74.2%. That has been, I think, maybe the number one concern. Shooting in general, but specifically free throws in some of these closer games has been a concern for IU. But uh, 74%, uh, pretty good last night for Indiana. That seemed to be improved. And probably the the tense moment uh, was Trace Jackson Davis uh, was, at, I don't know, three or four minutes left in the contest last night. Uh, went down, and I didn't see the initial uh, play, uh, but the replay showed that they knocked knees, but uh, he was back up and uh, came back into the game uh, not long after that and obviously had a monster dunk and some other big plays. And, of course, that late foul call with .8 seconds left in double overtime, we're going to talk with Dustin about that and get his thoughts as well, but I know there have been a lot of complaints about that call, people thinking it wasn't. It's just hard to tell from some of the different angles on television, but we'll talk with Dustin about that coming up in the next segment today. But definitely some real positives last night uh, and reasons to be hopeful as IU. It's now exciting to say this as IU gets ready to enter a small stretch of Big Ten Conference play the next few games, uh, I think that will really tell the early story, at least, uh, of this IU team this season. But uh, I think, again, uh, lots of reasons to be hopeful about this team. I'm not sure they're going to set the world on fire. I'm not sure that they're in line to win the Big Ten Conference. But there seems to be a fight. 
and a competitiveness and a balance that exist as well. So uh, this this team over the next week or so, these two Big Ten games coming up, especially the road game on the road at Wisconsin, uh, will be uh, will be interesting to see uh, as well. The Big Ten ACC Challenge last night. Uh, I mentioned some fabulous games. Of course, the IU Syracuse game in double overtime with. All sorts of scoring, 112 to 110, the final score. But Ohio State and Duke, Ohio State on their home floor, knocks off number one Duke, 71-66. The Big Ten losses last night, let's look at it from that perspective. Uh, Syracuse defeated Indiana. That was one of two losses so far in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The other was Wake Forest defeating Northwestern, and that was a one-point uh, or a four, a four-point but overtime win for Wake Forest. As things stand now with the Monday two games and then last night uh, a number of games on Tuesday, Big Ten currently leads this series 6-2, to two, and if you're keeping score at home, it takes eight wins to clinch uh, the, uh, the, if you want to call it the championship of this rivalry between the two conferences. And there are a number of really good games tonight. I think most interesting to me, and I love that it's a 9-15 game because it means I'll be home in time to watch it from tip-off to finish, Michigan 4-2 and two at North Carolina 4-2 and two tonight. But some other good games as well. Louisville 5-1 and one at Michigan State 5-2. and two. That has a chance to be a pretty good game. Nebraska at North Carolina State. Virginia Tech at Maryland. Miami is at Penn State. Uh, Wisconsin at Georgia Tech. And amazingly, uh, if you're just looking at the records in these games uh, tonight, uh, just almost identical records. Louisville five and one, Michigan State five and two, Nebraska five and two, uh, North Carolina State six and one, Virginia Tech five and two at Maryland, who's five and two, Miami four and three at Penn State four and two. You get the point. Uh, obviously, some good matchups set tonight as well. Whoever set the pairings. The matchups for the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I'm not sure exactly how those all come together. If it's ESPN or if the schools have any input, I wouldn't think that they would. Uh, Great job so far this year. These games have been absolutely amazing contests to watch. Also, a high school basketball note, there were some Tuesday action here in the area last night. Silver Creek, a winner, 73-40 over Charlestown. The Dragons move out to 2-0 and on the season. Of course, they're defending state champions in Class 3A. And, you know, a lot of our preview coverage, and we'll have more of that coming up, but a lot of our pregame uh, preview coverage of the season so far when it came to Silver Creek was, you know, how many points would Brandon Northern score? Would he be able to uh, run the point guard spot as efficiently as he has in these state championship efforts while still stepping up his scoring role with uh, Kaufman Wren and Jacoby and even others gone uh, from last year's team. And so far that's been the case. Both games so far, Northern has been above 30 points for Silver Creek. So he looks to be set up for a huge senior season, which is big for him when it comes to individual stuff as well, recruiting for the next level, an Indiana all-star candidate trying to continue that tradition for Silver Creek coming out of Southern Indiana. But uh, Northern off to a wonderful start as well with two 30-plus point games so far to start the season for Silver Creek. And some other big games coming up this weekend. We previewed earlier in the week the Body Armor Showcase that's going to take place at Charlestown. Uh, That's going to be a fun series of games this weekend. And later in the week, we'll be having on some of the coaches that are participating uh, in that showcase at Charlestown High School on Saturday afternoon into Saturday evening. And also uh, last night, Floyd Central, a winner as well. They went on the road to Meade County uh, across the river from Cordon and got a, a pretty easy win last night. 
and I look forward to seeing the Highlanders in person. They are big and long and uh, will definitely be a team to watch. I think going to be one of the better teams uh, in the state and in our area this year. And then, of course, the Red Devils of Jeffersonville. Uh, we've not seen them get started yet. They'll play on Friday down in Evansville, and they've got a big matchup at that Body Armor Showcase on Saturday. So New Albany as well. I want to mention this. The Bulldogs have had a pretty tough start, a, a narrow win over Clarksville, uh, a tough loss on the road at Bloomington South. And they've got two home games this week, but Evansville-Harrison on Friday night, followed by Zionsville, who beat Carmel uh, earlier, right before Thanksgiving, I believe it was. To uh, And that's obviously shows you that uh, Zionsville, a growing school, going to be one of the powerhouse athletic programs in the state, already very competitive in a number of sports, but uh, going to be one of the dominant uh, sports programs as a whole, it looks like, with their attendance as things continue to grow there. But they'll be down at New Albany on Saturday, so a tough weekend of some big 4A clubs for the Bulldogs, and we'll find out more about Tucker Biven and that group this weekend as well. So just getting started with high school basketball, but, man, there's a lot of fun things to pay attention to, and I think this will be an early season-defining week to learn more about some of our local teams. Uh, we'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. There's lots more to talk about when it comes to the uh, IU-Syracuse game last night. Got a few texts on the text line. We'll get to those as well if you want to add your questions or comments on the IU Hoosiers or local sports, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. We'll be back with more. It's a big Wednesday edition of our program, the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Wednesday program. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is my guest as we talk IU basketball, the big one last night on the road at Syracuse, a double overtime game. And if you've got questions and comments, we've got some that have come in. I'll get to those here in this segment. 502-414-1450. 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. Dustin, that was a fun basketball game, and I think generally the response I'm getting here at the Big X, and uh, that seeing elsewhere on social media from diehard IU fans is, yeah, they're disappointed the Hoosiers took the L, but uh, it wasn't typical Indiana. They battled with their backs against the wall when they had some major obstacles to overcome, and it just looked like an Indiana team with a lot of fight last night. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I, I do wonder if there's not a little bit of uh, recency bias in terms of this notion that Indiana doesn't have any toughness to it or hasn't uh, in the last 10 years or so. I mean, there, there were some teams that battled back or didn't have to because they were better than other teams. Um, so I, I think that, that, that seems to be a little bit harsh on, the, on some of the prior squads. But all the same, remarkable comeback. I mean, down 16 at the half. I mean, a really, a, a, a really an ugly first half. Eight, you know, went, went down 18 early in that first half. 
rallied back, but but I mean, probably more impressive is rally, rallying back from down 11 uh, with less than four minutes to go when it seemed like, okay, like the comeback's running out of gas and Trace Jackson Davis goes down briefly with the bump knee. Uh, and, and they come back and, and, and really, especially in the last minute or so and, and, and how they managed to force overtime, really impressive. And then hanging in there in the first overtime and being right there in the second, um, you know, speaks well for this group. Just again, it's resiliency, um, you know, to be able to do that on the road is really, really difficult. Uh, you know, speaks really well for these guys. So, so I think that's, that's good news. Obviously the 26 turnovers is bad news. You know, you had a couple, uh, you know, mistakes, especially that, uh, press, which I'm not sure was called, um, necessarily. I'm, I'm, I'm more interested looking back at that. It looked like Tamar Bates just made a made a play for it and that kind of scrambled the entire play. But, uh, ultimately I, I think there is just a lot of good news for Indiana fans. I mean, you, you would feel better about it if this was a Syracuse team that wasn't three and three, um, that, that was more like some of the powerhouse Syracuse squads you've seen, but this was still a tough out, uh, a team with a lot of guys that can score and, uh, you know, Indiana managed to score with them. And I think especially, uh, you know, shooting the basketball between Miller Cop and Parker Stewart, I think that those were really good signs, uh, in terms of what they can do going forward. Dustin, as we look at the box score from last night, there are a number of things that stand out. We, we talk so much about Trace Jackson Davis and uh, how good he was last year and how much better he appears to be this season. And so we'll circle back to that in a moment. But I wanted to start with Race Thompson. I thought that he was a glue guy almost for IU, a very rounded box score with 17 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists for Race last night. Uh, he did a lot of different things to help IU, including late in that ball game. No, absolutely. I mean, it was a very interesting game for Race because he's also got seven turnovers in there. Um, you know, he, he had some moments where he he definitely got um, blitzed by traps and, and and lost balls in that, and, and and tried to force passes that weren't necessarily there. Uh, but very clearly understood what his role was in that game. Um, and you know, just because he was doing a lot, both both he and Jackson Davis were were running to uh, the nail basically at the at the top of the free throw line in between the, the front two guys in that two three zone and making plays out of there. And he did a really good job of of playing the high low game with with Jackson Davis. They were they, they were both on either side of it. Uh, but I thought he was really good at, at, at you know having looks and 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 he made a couple shots I think around the foul line. Um, but also was really good at, at finding Trace in advantage positions where, where he could uh, get some buckets. I thought it was going to be a tougher night for Trace just because obviously the paint was going to be uh, really clogged up, but they kept finding ways of putting him in advantage positions, and Ray Thompson had a lot to do with that, of, of just making some sharp passes. And, and, he just, and he also, you know, again, really good around the glass, which is usual, five offensive rebounds, which is really impressive. Um, you know, just did, did a really good job of passing in that game. You know, again, had his mistakes, but got over them. I mean, I think, you know, race does not turn the ball over frequently. I mean, he's got a high total right now because of last night. But I mean, last season, uh, it, he was just over one turnover a game. Um, I think he had 31 turnovers in 27 games, and that was um, the lowest total of a starter for IU. So that, 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 that's not typical for him. Uh, and the fact that he was able to kind of just press on through that and, and, and keep making passes and keep making plays, uh, I thought really spoke well for race. Played 45 minutes and, and really had a, a, a really tough, really impressive outing, plus nine. Uh, he, was the only, he, he had the highest plus-minus number also. Just did a, really, a lot of really good things last night. And I think we've got to mention at the start of our conversation, Miller Cop as well, uh, big effort for him last night, 28 points, four of nine from behind the arc, six of seven from the free throw line as IU as a team shot it much better from the charity stripe last night. That was kind of the Miller Cop uh, last night that I remembered, uh, especially against IU it seemed when he was at Northwestern. Mm. Uh, he was really stroking it, especially some of those big late ones for IU. 
No, absolutely. I mean, I mean he hit the three free throws that uh, uh, basically put Indiana in a position that, that you know, they were tied down to the final possession uh, in the second overtime. But no, I mean, I thought he did what, what really impressed me about him. Obviously, he hit the shots, and you knew there was going to be an opportunity for that against the 2-3. You knew that, that Stewart and Kopp were going to have uh, some looks and, and um, you know, as as bigger guards that can shoot the three against the two three, obviously they 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 become very very important. And obviously they hit ten threes uh, between the two of them, so you knew that was going to be there. But I mean, I thought some of uh, what he was able to do as far as attacking some closeouts, getting some step in jumpers, uh, but even some drives. I mean, I think that's you, you've seen a couple drives from him uh, so far this season go really haywire, where he's just lost the ball or 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 just not put up. Uh, a really good finish, but I mean, he had that one reverse layup. They were like, "Wait a second, this is something that you haven't necessarily seen from Elikop." Um, and you know, four defensive rebounds, which is a pretty good number for him. Three assists, just uh, two steals, and you know, just did a lot of really good things uh, in 28 minutes. But basically, being able to be a versatile shooter. I mean, I think that's one thing that's tough uh, for this group with Indiana. Is that out of your starting five, you have one guy, you have a point guard who can really beat you off the bounce. And two wings that aren't necessarily good at that. You know, Stewart and Kopp are just sort of bigger, you know, catch-and-shoot guys. Um, but, you know, you've got to be able to, to do at least something off the dribble. And Kopp was able to do that, and I think that was an important development. All right, Dustin, plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, I want to get to some team stuff in a moment. But Trace Jackson Davis, uh, the improvement that uh, we are seeing from him is just remarkable. Uh, let's go to the Thornton's text line. Brad text in, first time watching the Hoosiers last night, and wow, what a difference between TJD this year. Impressive improvement. I think that comment alone goes along with so many that we've had and, and what we all think it's amazing to see an already good player take his game to the next level. And I do wonder, as this college basketball season is still very early and beginning to unfold, uh, what Trace Jackson Davis's draft prospectus will look like when some of the draft boards are updated for this upcoming uh, June. No, absolutely. It's it's a fascinating question. I think it also is it's you know one of the interesting pieces just how the the uh, and it, basically the NBA's viewed of players like him changes. I mean, they still do want. Um, you know, the stretch four is, is more and more of a thing, um, obviously. But, uh, you know, the five can be, it doesn't have to be a seven-footer anymore that, that you could just put down in the low block and he eats people alive. Um, it, it is a more movement-based position um, at this point. So I, I do think that um, he is going to get more of a look as, as a four-five option um, than, you know, maybe in some previous years. I think this it, just, in, in that way. Um, but it is important that he takes some more jump shots and you're starting to see that, you know, you're seeing him hit some foul line jumpers. You're here, seeing some hit some stuff before that, but then he's just so good around the rim and, and he's better with his right hand. Um, he's a better passer. I think the really biggest thing that stood out, he didn't have any assists last night. Um, but I, the, that I've seen so far is just his patience in double teams and, and his ability to kind of just sit there, wait for it, and, and make some sharp passes. Saw that from Trivion Williams the last couple of years at Purdue, and I didn't see as much of that from Jackson Davis, but he seems to have advanced at that level, and he's more athletic and, and more, uh, you know, a better finisher around the rim and has sort of more options there uh, than Trivion does. So I think, that's all, I think that was sort of an, an important uh, development for him to make, for him to be able to take on a trap and be patient wait for a shot to open up, wait wait for somebody else to open up and pass out of it. I think he's been really sharp there. But there's been a lot of improvements and just he's just playing so fast, so athletic, just moving so well. And he always did that um pretty well, but he's even better. I think he's just doing a better job. He's taking doing a better job of rim running. And he was already always good at that, but um just really knowing when to push the pace and, and, and when to get ahead 
um, and try to make things happen that way. He's making things happen with defense, the block shots. He's getting rolling on those, uh, and you know, and you know, handling the ball off the of defensive rebounds, getting going there. I mean, there's just so many different ways that he's beating people right now. It's really impressive to watch. Dustin, another text on the Thornton's line. Uh, don't understand Lander in at the end at point guard over Finnessy. Did that have something to do? And this is me talking here now. Do you think that had something to do with? his lack of minutes overall last night coming back from a bit of an injury or uh, your thoughts on Lander over Tennessee at the end of the game as the texture writes in. Well, I forgot. I mean, I, I forgot this too, um, but I'm looking at the scoreboard. I'm looking at the box score right in front of me right now on stat broadcast. Tennessee had five. So Tennessee uh, had five fouls, but I don't know when exactly he fouled out, but I mean, he fouled out in 14 minutes. Um, so I'm not sure. Let me look here. Let me see if I can find the play by play. When did he get his fifth? Um, I, I don't think at the end they had a choice. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know when, when did Tennessee foul out? Um, yeah, I mean, b- bottom line, he did. Uh, so I, I don't know when exactly Tennessee's fifth foul is. I'm looking forward here, but it happened. It's on the score, you know, it's on the box score unless they messed up. Um, I, it doesn't seem like they had an option. Um, so it's it just, you know, both the point guards really got in, in bad foul trouble. Johnson obviously was there as well. Uh, so that doesn't help. I mean, I, either one of them, you know, both of those guys getting in trouble, you know, put you in a position where you have to play your softball point guard. And I thought Lander had some good moments. I mean, he had a bad foul there at the end, but I mean, I don't think, um, you know, he obviously misses the free throw that he's got to make, uh, or that he's got to miss at the end there to put Jackson Davis in position. I mean, that's a big play. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, it, I'm, I'm looking for when they had, you know, when this happened, because I don't, I don't even, I honestly don't remember fantasy fouling out, um, but it's that way on the box score. So it seems like they didn't have a choice. Yeah. I understand. Uh, talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald times, D- Dustin, can you put this thing into perspective? Uh, you've got a good eye for this stuff and have followed the program for many years. Uh, should IU fans be excited, in some cases thrilled, with a uh, two-point uh, loss where they had to fight back in some tough situations last night to a Syracuse team that's now 4-3, and three, just about 500? Or is there a little overreaction to this, you think, possibly? What, what, what do you see? Um, I don't think there's... I don't want. To, I don't know what to say about overreaction. I mean, I think this is one of those situations where just because it's early in the season, because there haven't been too many games, um, you know, against sort of equal or superior opponents, you're going to be like, okay, look, this is really the second game they played against somebody that matters. Uh, you know, the St. John's game was obviously terrific too. I mean, I think uh, the, the good news is it was fun to watch. I mean, like for for as much as um, you you. You know, ultimately, is this game going to help them that much from an NCAA tournament um, resume standpoint? No. I mean, basically, again, this is a four and three Syracuse team that has a loss against Colgate. Uh, you, you know, Syracuse is probably going to be a bubble team too. Um, they've got some guys. They've got some scores. This is not a great defense uh, by Syracuse standards at all. Um, you know, this wasn't hanging 110 on C.J. Fair and Michael Carter Williams and th- those guys that beat him in 2013. It's not the same thing, obviously. But you know, the fact that they're able to go on the road, play at least a competent Syracuse team, um, and hang 110 and two overtimes, um, and score like that, and shoot like that against the two-three, uh, it's 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 ultimately good news. It's ultimately more good news than it is bad news. But thrilled is 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 a word I wouldn't use. I, I wouldn't say that you look at this and say, ah, yes, happy day are here again um you know indiana you know scored 110 on the road in the loss i mean that, that that's it, it isn't going to get you there i mean this isn't a game this isn't a good enough loss that you're going to look at and say well that's you know that that's a tournament team 
um, you know, they're going to have to go win some basketball games. They're going to have to beat some people on the road, and they're going to have to play better in Big Ten play. They're going to have to cut down turnovers. Um, but you're ultimately looking at this and saying, like, the, the fact that they have a, enough firepower to hang 110 against anybody um, is is an improvement from last year. The fact that they've got enough shooters to hit 10 threes in a game um, is is important. It is it is important stuff to know. You're looking at this and seeing pieces and things that are going to matter. I think it's important that they were able to to fight back from an 18 point deficit in the second half. It's important that they were able to fight back from an 11 point deficit with four minutes to go. I mean, that's hard to do. Um, you know, it, it it says something about your guys when they can do that. It says something about their will, about their determination, but it also says something about their ability to just put the ball in the bucket. I, you know, like I don't, you know. I don't know if last year's team, you know, uh, to say I, I, it's not to rip on their, you know, resilience. I don't know if they could score like that. I don't know if they could hit the shots that they needed to when they had to. Um, and this team can, and that's good news. So, I mean, ultimately, I think you feel better uh, about this team after last night. Um, but you can't say, you know, okay, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say thrill because, again, it's it's a it, it was a winnable game that you lost, and. Um, you still see some issues there, and, and you didn't beat a great. You, you didn't almost beat a great team. You almost beat an, a mediocre team, and, and and you have to keep that part in perspective too. Yeah, no question, Dustin Dopirak, my guest. Dustin, uh, the foul with point eight seconds. Um, a texter sent in, I guess, a screenshot uh, from their television. It does look like Lander uh, committed the foul, kind of a hooking foul. I think maybe from the angle on TV. If you didn't hear the audio and just were watching the game out somewhere like I was, you might think that the foul had been whistled on uh, Trace, and it didn't appear that there was contact there from the angle. But it was Lander, and it did look like a foul now that I see this other angle and screenshot. Are you on the same page with that? I know we've had a lot of people say, what about the foul, the the phantom foul with .8 seconds left? And I think it definitely was a foul on Christian Lander. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, it's one of those things where they both kind of got to him about the same time. I mean, I watched one of the I watched one of the replays in real time. Uh, you know, basically just real time in that it was on my TV. Um, you know, I didn't like pause it or anything like that. But like, I saw like you know, uh, Gerard went into Jackson Davis's body, and so I mean, there was contact there. But I mean, I thought there was you know like principle verticality stuff. It might not have been a foul, um, but it, it apparently you know. Lander came in and, and raked him a little bit, and um, yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think that was also just a product of, of him getting scrambled a little bit. I mean, I think I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm very interested. I think with, I don't think anyone got a chance to ask what's in the question because apparently it was a kind of a hurried post game, uh, you know, presser last night, and I imagine we'll get Woodson later this week um, before Nebraska, and I'm very interested to see what happened with the press there um, because as, as I watched uh, that play happen again. Um, it did not seem like it, it, it seemed like Bates might have been freelancing. Uh, and I'm not sure about that, but it didn't seem like everybody else was in on it. Um, you know, Lander, I think, you know, obviously at the end of the day, they are full court pressing the ball. I mean, and, and that's every time, um, you, know, but, you know, basically the point guard is taking the man for 94 feet. I mean, that's just basically how Woodson works. That's what he, what he wants done. But I think everybody else is supposed to get back and Lander kind of attacked the inbound pass. And I'm not sure if he was supposed to do that. I'm going to be interested to see if that was the case. Um, because it didn't seem like anybody else was prepared for a full court press, um, and it didn't seem like anybody else was really in position for it. 
and that play got got out of hand, and that kind of scrambled Lander up, and he ended up sort of chasing down Gerard um, at the end, and that put him in kind of a tough spot. So I wonder kind of how all that went down, but it did seem like ultimately that Lander made a made some arm con- arm contact that led to a foul. Yeah, absolutely, Dustin. Before we let you go, I want to talk about the overall ACC Big Ten Challenge. It's uh, three of my favorite days of basketball early in the year. There's no question about that. And the Big Ten looking pretty good so far. Ohio State knocks off. Uh, number one last night, Duke, and the Big Ten Conference at this time has a 6-2 lead over the ACC. It takes eight wins by a conference to, uh, quote, I guess you'd call it clinch the, the, the title of this little shootout. Uh, but the Big Ten, is, I think, has made some big strides this week as far as uh, what people see in the conference, not just Purdue and maybe Michigan, but other teams as well that can really compete at a high level against some of the best of college basketball. No, sure, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, some matchups worked out good, but, I mean, Ohio State winning, beating Duke, obviously really flips, I think, the narrative a lot. Um, you know, changes a lot about the way that you were looking at this season. I mean, I think Ohio State's had some good wins. They've also had some close losses. You know, the Florida loss, um, I'm trying to think who else beat them. I mean, they've looked just okay. Um, so far, so for them to come out and beat number the number one team in the country um, and rally back the way they did, I think it was a 12-0 run to end the game. I think they they held Duke without a point in the last four and a half minutes, um, and you know that that's pretty wild. It speaks well for the, their ability to defend, their ability to find some other scores. And that key had a terrific night. I think he had 20. Um, you know, going up against like Banchero and Mark Williams. I mean, that's that's a big for Ohio State. So that really, I thought, flipped the narrative a lot. Um, you know, I think the depth. Um, of the Big Ten really, you know, sticks out well. It, it, it does not look like the ACC has a lot of depth. Um, you know, once you get past Duke and Carolina, and, and, and I think Florida State will be okay. And, and but like, you know, Iowa beating Virginia, I think was a big win. Even even though they blew a lead and had to hold on uh, to win that game, I think that was an important one. I know Minnesota beat beat what seems like a really bad Pitt team um, last night. But I mean, Rutgers gets Clemson. I mean, they like they've they've managed to. Really, really do a good job, but I guess what you would call sort of the dot, you know, the the undercard games, um, and and that's good. I think it speaks well that there could be some depth with this group. Um, you know, I still wonder. It's it's not as top heavy as I expected it to be. I expected it to be four or five teams that you were looking at and saying, you know, that's a Sweet 16 caliber team. I don't know if you're looking at it that way right now, but Ohio State, I think, re-entered itself into that discussion. Um, you know, I think a lot of people's sort of concerns about uh, the Big Ten are, are uh, centered around Michigan not being as good so far as everybody expected. I think tonight's a big night for, for Big Ten narratives. So you get Michigan State gets Louisville, which is, I think is a very beatable Louisville team. Michigan gets, I think, a very beatable North Carolina team. I think if you win those couple, that that really changes it a lot more. But the Ohio State win is really big. And then Flor- and, and Purdue just dusting uh, Florida State the way that they did is, is you know, looks good for them. I think it's, we, we were actually talking about it in the, uh, it, I was talking to some of the Purdue guys um, at the bucket game on Saturday about, about Purdue and just the way that the Big Ten Challenge always gets put together. I mean, why, what, you know, this would have been the year to have Duke, you know, Purdue play a Duke or North Carolina or somebody like that and sort of push them. And it seems like just because of, um, you know, I, I don't know, their general profile, I guess, uh, as a program, they, they don't get the marquee ACC Big Ten Challenge games. That usually it's like, you know, they, they'll get a Florida State, and that's about as high as they get. And that this would have been a good chance to really give them uh, more of a showcase than they got, considering what everybody knew what Purdue was going to have, have it back. So that would have been a more interesting, I think, contest to see. Um, and again, Ohio State 
State still beat Duke, but it would have been interesting to see a uh, Purdue play a Carolina or a Duke uh, to see what that was all about. But it was still, I think, important for the league that Purdue didn't just win that game, but they won it going away. Yeah, I agree. Dustin Dopierak, Bloomington Herald Times, kind enough to be with us on Wednesdays. Dustin, as always, appreciate your chat, your uh, content, your chat as well. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, one more text I want to read uh, from Texter on the Thornton's text line. Two points. Uh, I want to share, even though we lost, Woodson seems to be a great in-game coach, and apparently he can get through to them to help their play so far as points. This is the same team from last year other than Parker and Cop, and last year they had no chance of scoring 110 points. I'm very excited to see how much better they will be in March. Thank you for the message texter. We'll head to a commercial break. And when we come back, a chat on local sports and high school basketball with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, presented by Major League Shirt Company. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for. All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Wednesday program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. This segment is presented by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. Uh, Josh, high school hoops are here we even had some Tuesday night games, and I tell you, a standout so far locally this season, and it's of no surprise to me or you, I don't believe, has been Brandon Northern with two 30-plus point games so far to help Silver Creek. There's a big void there with Trey Kaufman-Wren and Cooper Jacoby gone, and it's clear to me, Josh, that uh, Northern's not only going to lead from a point guard perspective, he's also going to be a key and major scorer for the Dragons as well. Yeah, that's for sure. He's uh, he's really he's really off to a great start. You know, it's only been two games, but like you said, he scored thirty points in one and uh, thirty one, I think, in the other. So, yeah, I mean, he's off to a great start, and uh, that's just something we'll we'll come to expect. Like you said, Trey Kaufman's gone, uh, Cooper Jacoby's gone, you know, uh, Isaac Hinton, Nolan Gilbert. You know, he's he's got a lot of scoring to to make up for, and uh, uh, he he's going to do it. Uh, I don't, he can't make up for it all, obviously, but he's he's making up for a lot right now. And uh, you know, as the season goes on, he'll need some he'll need some uh, uh, support from the other guys scoring. But but uh, man, he you know he can he can fill it up. Everybody knows that. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, Floyd Central. We've discussed them a lot here in the preseason. Uh, they also were in action for their first game of the year last night, and they pretty much cruised past Meade County after a rough opening period where they trailed 15-11. Then the Highlanders outscored Meade County 14-3 in the second quarter to basically take control of the game. This Floyd Central team, I look forward to seeing them in person here very soon. Very big, very long, and a lot of talent at a number of different positions. Yeah, I watched some of that game online. It was it was a uh... You know, it was an early season game. It wasn't. It wasn't pretty. It was kind of a grounded out game. Um, it was actually fairly close 
third quarter. I think Meade County might have cut it to two, uh, but then Floyd Central pulled away, obviously, in the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, holy cow. You know, nobody's nobody's as big as Floyd Central is, uh, you know, definitely around here, maybe in the state as far as that goes, heck. But uh, it, it, I'm interested to see as well just, just how it all how it all fits together, how it all works together. Um, you know, they, they don't have a, a, a key will be the guard play. Uh, Kyle Pokes is the point guard. But, um, you know, obviously missing Jake Hybreeder from last year. Uh, he, he did everything for him, and, and uh, you know, especially bringing the ball up and handling pressure and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, once they get a, get a team that likes to play fast and uh, pressure them, um, you know, what happens there. But, you know, they, they've got a tough one uh, Saturday against Evansville Harrison, and then, you know, obviously next week the big New Albany game. So we'll, we'll find out pretty soon what they, what they can do. Yeah, no question. Josh Cook with me talking local sports and some high school basketball to start things off. Josh, we mentioned this last week, and I wanted to touch on it again. A number of guys locally that are now playing college basketball, uh, having big roles and scoring some points and really uh, getting opportunities to shine for their respective schools. It's amazing the number of guys this area has even at the Division One level, not even counting some of the smaller uh, schools out there. But uh, once again, this past week, we've seen some guys really step up, and probably nobody more than Justin Betts, uh, Providence graduate who's at Bellarmine. Uh, this crazy schedule for Bellarmine continued uh, this week as they played at West Virginia, and actually were very competitive for a great part of that game. And Betts had a really good stat line once again for the Knights. So he's a standout uh, the last week or so. He's had some big opportunities and has made the most of them. But so many guys, Josh, that you and I covered on the radio or you in the newspaper in their high school years, really getting big opportunities at college. And again, as I said, making the most of them. Yeah, uh, it's great to see. Uh, you know, obviously nobody's, nobody in the country's playing a tougher schedule than Bellman to start the season. So. For, for Justin to be putting up, uh, you know, doing what he's done has been has just been outstanding. So, yeah, it's great to see. And, and like I just mentioned, Jake Hybrier, you know, obviously he's he started I think every game for Air Force, and and uh, man, you know, it's just it's just great to see all these kids uh, go on and, and have success. And you know, we we knew they were good, but it's it's great to see that uh, they can go on and, and prove to other people how, just how good they are as well. Josh Cook, my guest here as we wrap up this Wednesday program. Josh, uh, Romeo Langford for the Celtics, uh, continuing to get some time and uh, work his way into opportunities. I saw someone tweet this. It was an NBA writer. I don't remember who, but they said, I sure hope that people, whether it's I'm sure NBA executives, coaches, or even us fans and media, pay attention to Romeo Langford live and in person and not just as box score because he's had some good games if you just follow box scores. But if you watch him, he brings some uh, things that really aren't measurable by any stat, I think, to the Celtics, especially from a defensive side of things. And he's, I think uh, you would have to say, a player on the rise in the Celtics organization at this point. Yeah, definitely so. They seem to have, they seem to have a lot of faith in him, which is good. And, uh, you know, he. I think he had what, a career high eight rebounds the other night. So, you know, that, that's a plus. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the defense and the rebounding. You know, the, those are two big things. If he can do those things, um, you know, we we know he can score. Uh, that's going to come. Um, you know, especially uh, he's showing this year he can hit three point shot pretty consistently. So that's great. And uh, you know, I know, I know 
know they've got a they've got a big game tonight against uh, Philadelphia, and that that one's on NBA TV. If anybody has that to watch that, and then they've got their big West Coast road swing coming up, and they play the Lakers again, and which is also a televised game. So uh, if you haven't seen Romeo. Uh, on TV. You can watch him up coming up soon here. All right, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. You can read his coverage at newsandtribune.com slash sports and, of course, in the print edition. Josh, thank you. And that's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday program. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. You can find out more at mlshirtco.com. Back with you Thursday at 11 a.m. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.